Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews who came to Jesus by night. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you know not where it comes from or where it goes. So, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may, be, but, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This morning we meet Nicodemus, who's uh, kind of a, a character we only hear about in the Gospel of John. There's no record of him anywhere else. And we really don't learn much about Nicodemus, except for there's the, Nicodemus appears in this passage that we just heard uh, before us. And then later on, uh, Nicodemus kind of sticks up for Jesus in his trial and says, wait a minute, we can't just condemn a man without hearing witnesses and without hearing testimony. Nicodemus kind of throws in there. And then after Nicodemus, or after Jesus dies on the cross and Joseph of Arimathea claims his body, Nicodemus provides the spices and ointments for Jesus's burial. So there's a few things we can assume from these small facts we know about Nicodemus. One, that Nicodemus was curious about Jesus and uh, kind of uh, in, on Jesus' side, albeit kind of quietly, <laughs> on Jesus' side. The other thing we can assume about Nicodemus is that he was a man of influence and means. You don't, you know, uh, myrrh which is one of the spices used in burial ceremonies, was not cheap. It was a very expensive ointment. And so that Nicodemus spent some money to uh, bury this street preacher uh, probably says a lot about his own relationship or his own thoughts about Jesus. And, you know, uh, one must wonder, like Jesus, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, doesn't want people to see what's going on and uh, is, is kind of talking with Jesus under the cover of darkness. And what is going on here? Maybe 
Jesus, you know, Nicodemus is clearly curious. Is he curious because he sees in Jesus, man, I've never seen anything like what Jesus is doing ever before. This is something completely new, and I'm interested in Jesus' kind of new approach to, to Judaism and, and the things that Jesus is saying and doing. It's pretty amazing stuff. Or I wonder, is it that not so much that Nicodemus is seeing something completely new, but that what G- Nicodemus is seeing in Jesus is reminding him of a faith he once had. Maybe he's seeing in Nicodemus, or seeing in Jesus, all of the things that prompted Nicodemus to join in the leadership of the religious group he was a part of in the first place. What, what prompted Nicodemus as a young man to, to study and to become a teacher of the law and a Pharisee who was now in the leadership in Jerusalem, part of the Sanhedrin and part of the, part of the leadership there? What had inspired that when he was a youth? I wonder if what Nicodemus was experiencing in Jesus is kind of what I experience every time I hear or read something by Shane Claiborne, that do-gooder, who, uh, who lives out the gospel in radical ways. If you don't know who Shane Claiborne is, he's a, he's a guy who lives in Philadelphia and lives in, uh, in a deliberate community in, amongst the poor and is, is going around beating guns into tools uh, to use for clothes. He just does all this great stuff that makes me go, oh, you're just making me look bad. <laughs> and he does all this great stuff And it reminds me, it reminds me of why I wanted to be a pastor because I wanted to change the world. And I wanted to change the hearts of people. And I wanted to bring hope and compassion and love into this evil world we lived in. And I wanted to conquer Satan with the power of Jesus Christ called down from on high. Every time I hear Shane Claiborne, he reminds me, that's what you were going to do, Curtis. <laughs> and it makes me wonder, how, how, what am I doing? Am I, am I there? What am I, how did I get here? Those kinds of things. And I wonder if that's what Nicodemus is going through. As he comes and he, and he meets Jesus there, he's asking questions. And maybe when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that confuses Nicodemus, of course. He's, he's like, oh, I don't know how you do that. But maybe what Jesus is trying to say is, go back to the beginning, Nicodemus. Go back and remember when you were young and you were so full of God's love and you were going to bring people, you were going to bring God's compassion and love to the people out there. And now, here you are, part of the corrupt structure of the temple. Part, you know, part of this whole thing where the, the high priest is in the pocket of Caesar and Pontius Pilate where, where the Romans just go around oppressing people and there's, there's little or nothing anyone is doing about it because people are so wrapped up and beholden to Caesar for their money. And I wonder if Nicodemus sees Jesus going around healing the sick and reaching out to the disenfranchised and lifting them up and talking about God's love. I wonder if Nicodemus is going, what happened to me? How did I get here? How am I here trying to fight this fight in this corrupt system that is broken? 
wonder if he's just filled with about that and, and wonders how can I get from where I'm at to where I need to be. It reminds me, I made, I made Katie sit through, again, my, one of my all-time favorite movies recently, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And it's, it's such a great movie for right now. <laughs> so I suggest you go see it. Frank Capra, uh, early 30s movie, something like that, with Jimmy Stewart and uh, Gene, uh, I don't know. But uh, anyway, Jimmy Stewart uh, is, and Claude Rains uh, are in it. And Claude Rains is this uh, senator from some state we don't know, who uh, Joseph Payne, who is the, the Silver Knight, who used to fight for, for good things. Anyway, they had this corrupt graft deal going on, and the other senator dies, and so the governor scrambles to find someone, some chump, some patsy who's going to sit in the chair that he can appoint and not ask a lot of questions because they got a lot of money wrapped up in this program they got going on. Well, here comes uh, Jefferson Smith, uh, quotes Washington by heart and stands in the presence of the governor. Uh, you know, a real patriot, but, you know, knows nothing about government. He gets there and he gets right in the middle of it. And what, what we learn is that Joseph Payne, that corrupt senator, knew Jefferson Smith's father, who was a journalist. And when, Je when uh, Joseph Payne was just a lawyer fighting corruption and uh, Jefferson's father was a journalist fighting corruption, they palled up together to take down uh, people who were corrupt and to take down the mining syndicate that uh, ultimately took uh, Jefferson's Jeff's father's life uh, because they were causing so much trouble. And when Joseph Payne sees Jefferson Smith, he's reminded, I used to fight for the little guy. I used to fight for the, for the lost causes because after all, what Jeff's dad used to always say was the only cause worth fighting for were the lost ones. And here Joseph Payne is confronted with that and He's got, through it all, he is, continues to do what the corrupt system tells him to do. And he had convinced himself that somehow, if by, uh, by caving and giving in and being part of the system and playing ball, that uh, he could do some other good things. But at the end of the day, faced with, with Jefferson Smith's commitment and the idealism to what our country could really be about and the uncompromising idealism of, of America and all of that, uh, Joseph Payne can't stand it. And I won't give away the ending, but suffice it to say, he's confronted with his past and the things he got into it all in the first place for and how far he's deviated from that. And I think, I wonder if Nicodemus is the Joseph Payne of the Jewish hierarchy, the Jewish system in Jesus' day. And here Jesus is confronting him with all the things that he knows to be true. All the things that he knows God has called us to be about and to do. He finds himself convicted and torn and struggling with how did I get from here to here? And I pray, 
remembering. I used to, I used to know better. I used to live out the things that God gave me. I used to reach out to the poor as Scripture taught me to. I used to bring love and compassion into the world. I used to not judge. Now I am a judge. How did that happen? And I take heart that it was Nicodemus who brings the spices to Jesus' grave. Because I think that maybe Nicodemus took stock and said, you know what, I'm going to get back to the heart of it all. I'm going to go back to those commitments and those promises that I made to God so long ago. I'm going to go back. I'm going to remember who I am and whose I am. Amen? Amen. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be born again. (laughs) Born again into that faith that has used to mean so much to me. And that relationship where I felt God so close. Do what I need to do to get back to that. Because something is missing. I've let some things go. It's time I get them back. Well, in this Lenten season, it is a time for us, confronted in the darkness, exposed by the light, for us to come to Jesus in the middle of the night and say, Jesus, you're reminding me. You're reminding me of a time when I felt God so close. You're reminding me of a time when, when all of it seemed so real so true. And you're reminding me of a time when I made some, some promises and I walked a walk and the Holy Spirit was guiding me. And maybe you're in a place now where some things are missing. Where you're not that same wide-eyed Jefferson Smith full of ideal and hope and promise. And I guess I'm inviting us today to think about that and to grab a little bit of that hope and that promise and that unrealistic ideal of the kingdom of God that Jesus stood for, lived for, died for, rose again for. Those things that seem so out of our reach and yet Jesus stands there and says, nope, this is what it's about. We are called to live into it. And so we're going to take a few moments. We're going to play another song here for you to sing along with and to, uh, and to think about a time when God was right there and the kind of faith you had, the promises you made, the ways in which you had hoped to live out that faith. And I guess I want you to to talk about to yourself some of those things that are missing now that you'd really like to get back. And you can write those down as a prayer to God, or you can draw a picture, or you can use a word of some sort that makes it, just makes it meaningful to you, or draw a spiral as you pray about it. And then uh, as your act of uh, supplication before God, While we sing, you can bring it up to the prayer wall and place it in the prayer wall while the song is playing, as you feel led. I'm going to pray, though.
<laughs> loving and go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> loving and gracious God, we come before you this morning and we ask that in the darkness of our own hearts that you ex- you show us the things that have been missing for a while and you remind us of who you have been and who we want you to be again in our lives. Reveal to us some things that we can work on that we want to regain. 